I'm Kristen Birdwell, and this is Sex, Drugs, and Soul. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Dark Chocolate and Procrastination. Facts. <laughs> I have been delaying in the recording of this episode, and I have wanted to talk about the healing power of memoir writing and explore some of the fears and give tangible tools for a while. And given that my next podcast episode is slated to come out tomorrow, which is Wednesday, whenever this will drop, I and I don't have anything on deck, here we are. (laughs) Here we are. I'm coming at you from Fort Worth, Texas. I am on the back end of my second tour with BMW, and I am gearing up to spend some time with family. And that reminds me too of how family interactions and experiences can give you a wealth of stories and experiences to pull from for your writing. And so in this episode, I am going to explore all things memoir writing. I'm going to share how I believe it to be a tool for transformation and how memoir is medicine. There's so much medicine and just sharing where you're at and being who you are and letting someone else know that they're not alone in their journey. We're going to talk about how to navigate writing fears for the first key steps of writing and outlining your book, as well as give you some creative, tangible tools for visualization. So I want to start, like I'm in the heart of editing and collaborating on a project, which by the way is so freaking cool because... I went from being a little kid getting made fun of for not wearing Nikes, for rocking my PF flyers, to working on and collaborating on this book with someone who worked high up at Nike. And I think that is so freaking cool and just a testament to how every step leads you to where you need to be and like how, the, to me, the divine, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, source has a freaking sense of humor. Um. And I also want to say that I have also been reminded through this process of why it is so important to have a clear and defined takeaway in your book. And I want to also hone in on the fact that memoir is not an autobiography. A memoir is a slice of your life. If you think of your life as like a cake and you're going to tell a story. Well, a memoir is like giving people a slice of that cake. It's not the whole cake. They don't get the whole cake, okay? Nobody actually really wants the whole cake. <laughs> and it's not every single detail. Could you tr- imagine or even fathom trying to read a book like that? And as one person, one um, memoir, I would say mentor and guide or prominent leader in the memoir writing space says, Mem- uh, Marion Roach Smith, she says she says that a memoir is about what you know after what you've been through. So think about all the things that you could write to. You know, is it grief? Is it addiction? Is it uh, caring for a loved one? Is it travel? Is it making your space your own? Is so many key insights or takeaways? How to love yourself, or how you found love for yourself? How you accepted yourself? how you went on a wild sex journey. I don't know what your memoir is about. I mean, I want to read it though. I love memoir. Memoir is so open and vulnerable 
And I feel so connected whenever I read someone else's journey and it highlights a familiar feeling that is given a voice and a new way of saying it or speaking to, to it, you know, a new expression for maybe what I have felt. And I just think that is so cool and how it connects us. And I think that that's one of the reasons why, you know, memoir writing is so healing. I also think that it is just so innately healing because honoring our creative longings is honoring our life force energy. And we are born from this beautiful act of creation. And because of that, I believe we are meant to fucking create, (laughs) whether it's a book, a podcast, a recipe, a business, or you're just on unique way or approach of living life. I think we are meant to create. And for me, writing memoir, because I probably suppressed my emotions or didn't give myself the full space to express them in that at that time, writing was like a permission slip to feel my emotions, to feel and process my grief fully, to just permission slip to feel without like any judgment of whether I should or should not have been feeling one way or the other, just being and allowing it. You know, memoir or reflective writing is medicine uh, and a pathway to cultivate intimacy with yourself by growing this deep interconnection and getting clarity on your perspectives and thoughts and patterns and experiences. After years and years of people-pleasing, I remember I had a breakdown in my closet and I was like, I have been the best friend. I have been, you know, the best lover, the best whatever, whoever, you know, I molded myself to present or be this in all these situations. And I lost sense of who I was. I didn't know what I wanted, what I desired. I was not clear on what I valued or what I stood for. And memoir really helped pave the path to strengthening that self-connection. And ultimately, I also believe that our self-connection is one of the most important because we experience every other one in the world through the lens of us. So we need to work on that (laughs) and give ourselves some, some grace. I also, you know, as a spiritual person have been on, uh, I think we're all a spiritual being in this human experience, but you know, I think whenever you go down the path of quote unquote spirituality, there's all this pressure to meditate. And then I was feeling bad about myself not being a great meditator. And then I read or had heard something at, at one point that writing is a form of meditation of a, it's a way of observing your thoughts. And whenever I thought about that, I'm like, damn, I'm a great meditator. I've been meditating my whole life. (laughs) And, um, I just wanted to drop that in there. I think that writing and creativity is also this amazing avenue for transcending pain, for alchemizing it into power and or and or purpose. You know, um, creating something that supports your life mission, that supports your platform, um, or that just is a testament to how far you've grown. And whenever you have like a clear point, it becomes more universal and helps everyone. Or helps those that read it, I think. Um, it gave my grief meaning. And also, you know, I get to leave a little piece of me in the world. I get to, after I'm 
gone. I wasn't, I was going to say six feet under or, but I don't know if I'm going to be six feet under. I might be sprinkled and a little dust or I might be turned into a diamond. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I like the idea that I can leave a gift um, or make an impact um, even beyond the, uh, my physical presence of being here. And I saw something cool the other day about reincarnation and it's like, how cool is it that it like, you know, a future version of myself, it reads the book and my journey today or the books to come or how cool is it? Like, you know, if me now it has read a pre an old life version of me this book or has like taken in that painting or has, um, listen to a, a song, who knows, or watched a movie. I just think that's so kind of cool to think about. Um, and I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, but leaving a legacy probably <laughs> is what I was saying. But I also experienced a heartwarming moment when I was being interviewed about my book. And I realized that I was also leaving a legacy for my dad. I was memorializing his lessons and his impact on me and in some way, right? And that just like pulled on my heartstrings and brought up some emotions to the surface whenever I looked at it like that too. It's like a tribute. I also think that taking ownership of our story uh, gives us so much power. I think it gives us so much freedom. I think it also leads to identity shifts. For me, one in particular, from being a victim to being more empowered, from being a victim to being a conscious creator of my life. And because the way we view our past is one element that we can shape our identity with, I experienced a radical shift from being victimized, from having you know been sexually abused, from having been verbally abused, from seeing all of it as having happened to me, to shifting, to really seeing all the dots connect and seeing how it worked for me, how it fortified me, how it strengthened me. And how that, for me at least, is a more empowered perspective and stance to approach life. And I'd rather choose consciously how I want to impact and create versus live from a, to me, more negative state of victimization. Like, yes, these things happen to you, but you can also choose to do something beautiful with it. Um, I also experienced a profound effect around sexual shame. I had some shame around having a sugar daddy or having been sexually abused. And I believe that vulnerability and openness are two cures, the openness, right? Um, for shame. And whether it's with one person or whether it's writing a book or for the world to read, I really felt an expansive sense of liberation. It also felt like my skin was fucking peeling off at times. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I felt just freedom and writing also allowed me to see and decipher what shame was mine and what had been projected onto me by society or others. And spoiler alert, a lot of it was projected onto me from others. So with that being said, I love to transition into how to navigate some writing fears because writing a book can be like this overwhelming mountain to conquer, or it can be like the grandest adventure you've ever gone on. And it's like, which perspective and lens are you going to choose to look at it through? And one of the big things that comes up with writing and acts of creation is procrastination, is resistance to doing the act, to put applying the ass to the chair. <laughs> resistance shows up for me like it did today in recording this podcast. Resistance show, showed up for me 
for a damn near decade in the birthing of my book, Sex, Drugs, and Soul, which is on Amazon, which is another beautiful way to support this podcast. It's also available in audiobook form. <laughs> okay, but Stephen Pressfield is like one of the godfathers of creativity, and he wrote this what I would call unofficial Bible on creating. And um, it's called The War of Art. And he talks about resistance um, and resistance to the thing that we feel doing and how it shows up. But he also talks about how it's indicative um, of one's or how um, how the amount of resistance that you feel is indicative to how pivotal how pivotal it will be for your soul's evolution and growth. And when I was in the process of birthing my book, I felt an overwhelming sense of resistance, and I was like, "This must be massive for my growth and evolution." Then, because I feel fucking resistant. <laughs> um, I also now kind of look at it like, can I approach this resistance with a little bit more compassion? And for me, that looks like humor. So maybe that's what I did today. (laughs) Um, I also like to use fear as a catalyst. I like to acknowledge the fear and thank it for showing me where I'm really invested in something. And however, like, thank you fear, but you're not going to be in the driving seat of this decision. I'm going to be the driver. And you're just along with me for the ride. Thanks for trying to keep me safe though. I appreciate that homie. Thanks. So let's address some common fears. I know one of the ones that comes up when I'm chatting with people, one of the ones that I felt the most was the fear of my story hurting someone or the impact that it would have on someone else. And I'm going to go ahead and say that not writing your story for fear of how others will react is an abandonment of self. You're, you're opting to put your desire, your want, your longing on the back burner or not do it at all for the sake of how you're assuming someone else is going to perceive your book and you have no fucking idea. And I think that this one is also tied into people pleasing, but I want to tell you that you can honor your truth and your story while still telling it in a compassionate way. You can identify your boundaries with what you're willing and wanting to share and also tell your truth. You can, you know, see, is this person available for a conversation? You could always change the names. You can do it in a kind and compassionate way. And let's just dive even deeper and expand on the fear of someone's reaction to your memoir. The truth is that try as you might, like I did, you can't predict or control how someone is going to respond or react into your life. Um, And the same is true for your memoir. However, you can control your action and shift your perspective around it. You can choose to act in alignment with your inner directive, your inner voice, your longing to tell the story. You can choose to see it as a brave act of creation and put it on the page regardless of the response. That being said, it's not easy. I am not immune to the fear. In fact, one of my biggest fears before starting to write my story was how others would react to it, how they would be perceived by my recollection, how my truth of the experiences would impact them, and how my truth would influence their perception, their response, or action towards me. Namely, that I'd be rejected, unwanted, unloved, cast out from the community. You know, it's like that fear of abandonment. I didn't want to hurt anyone. But given the story, I knew it was a possibility. Now, 
you don't have to share it with them before publishing. But in my case, I felt it was the right thing to do. And although a little grim, I will say that one main character died before it was published. So I had a lot of these fears based on how this person would react. And then it never came to fruition that this person would even read it. And I will also say that now I see that our souls were had made a, I believe, an agreement before we came into this lifetime to impact my life in the not negative and positive ways so that through the act of me, through the sharing of my story, it would have a greater impact um, and be the best for the higher good of the collective. And I'll tell you that a family member who I thought would be like beaming with pride did not give me the proud and pleasant reaction I thought they would. And the person I dreaded sharing it with the most, who I waited for over seven months to send it to, the one whose reaction I feared the most, I also feared lawsuits from this person. It gave me such, he gave me such an encouraging and surprising response that it moved me to tears. So you can't predict it. You can't control it. But that's one of the reasons why writing a memoir is such a courageous journey. It's why you, the writer, are a bold soul. And you are writing and sharing your truth despite the risk. Not doing so is an act of betrayal to yourself. In my opinion, it's an abandonment of one of your truest longings. And by sharing the story you long to tell, you are choosing to show up for yourself. You're choosing not to abandon yourself in your dream. You're stepping into the unknown, into the land of possible rejection, and you're singing your truth anyway. So brave soul, what story are you going to choose to sing? And, you know, when you get over that fear hurdle, there's another one that I hear. And that is time. We live in a, the construct of space and time. What can I say? And in this 3D reality, I'd say schedule the time. Even if it's 15 minutes here, 30 minutes there, it all adds up. A book is a collection of sentences written one word at a time. For myself, I tend to work better in bursts or stretches of three to four hours. And but use what works for you. If it just, do you like a word count? Do you like a page count? For me, I knew if I blocked off this time, I was dedicating it and I was going to show up. So with that being said, with another um, hurdle, I would say, is not knowing where to start. So I am going to give you some first key steps for writing your book. Get clear and define your deep level why. Like, why is this book fucking important? Why is it important to you? Why do you care on a deep level? And just keep asking yourself why. You're going to be spending a lot of time and energy and investing perhaps money into this book. So why is it so important that you're going to be, you know, doing this? And I'd also say at the same point, clarify your main message. Every book has a point, whether it's to educate, entertain, inspire. It usually takes a, t- takes a stance on something or offers an insight, a new way of life, an approach, 
And it may not be clearly stated within the book. One I love is you can find your voice by healing your wounds and showing that journey. I would also play with a working title, maybe brainstorm and get creative and create a list of five, 10, 20 title ideas and see which resonates with you the most. Fun fact, the working title that I had on my book was called The Scenic Route Home. And it wasn't until I was in a titling workshop that it shifted into becoming sex, drugs, and soul. And so also allowing that creative journey, allowing some flexibility and not being so rigid um, within that as well. I would also identify your ideal reader and identify the genre your book is in. For this, we're talking about memoir. So memoir is going to be a personal slice of life. Um, for me, the ideal reader was kind of like a younger version of myself. What would I tell younger me? Um, but what problem are, is your ideal reader struggling with? If you want to talk and speak to how you overcame addiction, then your ideal reader may be in the heart of addiction. You know, what are they looking for? Where are they at in their journey? You know, what is their deepest desire? What does your ideal reader crave or want specifically around your book's topic? Just flesh this out a little bit. Uh, Write to this person. And what is your story arc of transformation? A story is ultimately about change. You went from something to something else. I love, I was just listening to this audio book the last couple of weeks And it's called Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall. And the way she describes it is you were living in this normal and acting in this normal. There was an explosion, (laughs) big or small, and then you have this new normal. And a story is kind of the telling of that journey. I would also identify a starting and a stopping point and also have a little flexibility with this. But there's maybe give yourself um, an exercise or slate, like 30 minutes of trying out three different ways to start your memoir. And maybe here is where you want to experiment with linear, with nonlinear, with, but really hone in on like, why this day? Why this moment? Why is this moment different? And Lord, like, why is this one pivotal to the journey? How I'd ask yourself how prescriptive how prescriptive your book is going to be. Is this more narrative nonfiction memoir with lessons the readers discover as the story unfolds? Or is it like clear delineated how-tos or lessons with stories from your life to help support it? There's so many different frameworks that your stories can fit into. And I think that is beautiful. And then once you know all the rules, you can decide and break them. (laughs) But there is like common elements and threads that I, that you do want to hold to. And I would definitely say the point in your why is super important and also maintaining a, a voice throughout and having clarity on like what tints you're going to write in, you know, past or present. I tend to think that memoir is past, although I have played around with, some memoir present, just like writing exercises, but we'll see. You'll decide. Try maybe reverse engineer, reverse engineering your writing goal. Maybe look up a comparison or similar book to the one you'd like to write and see, um, just Google word count of insert title 
and then divide the total word count of that book by a day of writing word count goal, like say um, a thousand words, two thousand words, and then divide that by the number of days a week. And that will also give you the total amount of weeks it takes to complete your first manuscript. All right, let's talk a little bit more and flesh out of outlining your memoir or nonfiction book. Firstly, I am going to admit to you that I resisted outlining so much. I'm not very keen on people telling me what to do. So I resisted it. But once I sat down and just created like this blueprint or map of my book, I knew what I was going to write about for each session that I had scheduled. And it wasn't a question of like waiting for this divine source of inspiration to hit me. It's like, okay, I'm going to write about this scene or moment in my life. (laughs) It was just cut and dry. And sometimes I would write about that next one up on my list, or I would go to the next one. So I would have a little bit of flexibility, but still, I would also say from memoir, it's important to identify those key external events the defining moments in your life during a specific time span that you're telling your story. And remember that a memoir is not every waking moment or event. It's the moments pertinent to the story you're telling. It's like a specified block of time in your life. And it can be a day. It can be 10 years. And I just found this best to lay it out like a timeline. They can be big or small events, but they're significant to the story. They can be things like breakdowns or traumas or initiations, but they can also be a small but kind interaction with a stranger. They can be hearing a song on the radio or touching yourself for some reason. And this time it was different. And because of that moment, this happened. And because of that moment, it led to this and it led to this shift. And these moments are going to be up are going to make up the story arc of your transformation. They will be painted as the scenes in your book leading to the realization of growth and bring about resolution. These moments or events shift your perspective or story in some way. So what's the best way to tell the story? Where will your story start? What defining moment? And I'm going to be honest with you. The beginning is what changed the most in my book. I think I started out in Paris and having the breakdown that I was like, no, I don't. I, that was like, I think the, the start for a while. And then I um, ended up switching and it was to showing up on that uh, sugar daddy's doorstep on, on day, day one. Like that was the, the, why the different, that why my life was different because of that choice. My life was different for X amount of reasons. And, um, you know, are there any dark nights of the souls or captivating life scenes? I'm going to hop over to my other list over here where I have a defining moments examples. And I don't, I I wrote this in 2021 and it was just like, here's one reading Hunter S Thompson and realizing I could write about the underworlds and the subcultures that appeared, uh, appealed to me, you know, or memoirs like Augustine Burroughs or Augustine Burroughs, however you say his name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Burroughs. Um, But I remember reading his book, Running With Scissors, and an aha moment going off and being like, oh my God, I can write about my family's dysfunction? (laughs) Like I can write about this? I can write about my life's pain and then later, you know, how I come out on the other side or being like a phoenix amidst ashes? 
But first that Phoenix had to burn. (laughs) I, um, you know, let me see another one of these moments. Oh, the painful sunset. And the moment my dad said the tumors in his liver were likely cancer. And he said, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And that placing me in a new life where I felt as if he began slipping through my fingertips. It placed me, there was a clear distinction then of my life before my dad had cancer and I was entering a new one when my dad did have cancer. It could be, you know, my dad later nudging at some point and just the smallest piece of conversation shifting or broadening me and be like, oh my God, I do care about this. He's like, maybe you should worry about doing what makes you happy instead of doing what you think will make everyone else happy. That was a truth bomb. It was an awakening. It shifted my awareness and perspective. And I ended up moving to California again after that. It was also like his permission slip, given that he did have cancer and I had moved home and I, but I did have this life and stuff that I wanted to live. And it could be a plant medicine journey that offered forgiveness and healing and offering of joy could in fact be possible in a life without my dad. Mm. Or let's see another one. Oh, the day I felt my fingertips graze my skin with grace, with a tender compassion, with the choice that I could, in fact, love myself. That what I longed for outside of myself would never be enough until I started at the home base of myself and accepted all parts. I can't tell you why I took years of yoga and it took all those years to land into that moment at teacher training where I finally felt the grace of my own fingertips and that I could not accept from others what I rejected to myself, love. But that day it was different. So that was a defining moment in my journey. And I could go on, but these are just some examples of defining life moments. Some of the turning points of my life, of, of my Atlas, right? Of my story atlas. And so maybe start with creating a list of your own defining moments and seeing which ones um, hone into that. And if you want, I'm also available for hire and I can help you with this process. (laughs) Seriously though. Okay. Let me go back to my outline and see where I was. I was talking about defining moments. Okay. There we go. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You want to marry, marry, love, and marriage. I'm feeling goofy today, guys. Actually, that's probably me all the time. Um, You want to marry the external events with the internal shifts and what you know now with memoir. Okay. I like to sprinkle in the what you know now. For me, that's my writing style. But um, if you just list all the events that happen, it's just like, okay, this happened and then this happened and this happened. And, and it's not, it doesn't really stick. What people want also are the internal shifts. What internal shift occurred with the event? How did the moment influence your decision, your thoughts, your actions, your behavior, or any new desires revealed? I also like reflecting with how did this happen for me and not to me? And sprinkling in what I know now. Okay. And for a nonfiction book, I would decide whether you want to include personal examples for this. Actually, I'm going to probably skip over this because I'd rather just keep this all to memoir. Um, yeah, but you can also like, you know, sprinkle in the tools or methods or modalities that helped you along your way. 
there's, it's a little bit different whenever I feel like you're crafting a specific memoir versus whenever you're crafting a nonfiction book or like a self-help or a personal development book. Okay. So let's bring this vision to life. Uh, Let's start um, with some tangible visualization tools for writing. Let's lean into your vision. Create a book cover. Go into Canva. And I took a photo that I had done and worked with a photographer. And I and there was like a road in it. And I was like, oh, this is this perfect. This is perfect. And so with my working title, The Scenic Route Home, which is about the journey to coming home to loving and accepting myself ultimately. Oof, I don't know why there's something broken coming up. <laughs> okay. I went to Canva. I created this book cover. I was like, a scenic route home, a memoir in my name. And I printed it out and wrapped it around a book that I had. And I set it on my nightstand so that it would be the first thing that I saw when I woke up. And the last thing that I saw when I went to bed and prime and put that thing in my subconscious. And it was also like, Hey, this thing already exists. And I am just meeting it. My book already exists in this world. So that is one way. Another way is to write a letter to yourself from a future reader. How would they be impacted? Are they like, thank you, Kristen, for writing this book that I felt like you were writing it to me. I da, 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 had this realization or insight. Like what would you, what is your dream scenario for someone reading your book to write and say about you or say about your book? I would also Write a letter from the future you having written the book to present you. And this one is pretty profound. And then I ended up like stumbling on this letter like years after that I had written it. And it was very like heartwarming and tear inducing. I also like to play out movies in my mind. And this one's not as much tangible, but it's definitely a visualization exercise. And, you know, whenever I was walking through the airport, I would look over and visualize my book being on the stands there and being, and seeing it as people are traveling, you know, and going on their adventures or, you know, going from one place to another. I also, before I had created my audiobook, I would, one of the visualizations that I leaned into, so I'd carve out some space and time to just like sit there with my vision of being in the studio, of having the headphones on, of speaking my voice into the microphone. And then it happened. <laughs> and then I went through those steps. So those are like key points for me that I wanted to do and like meet that future me. I also like writing affirmations and I like writing these down. I actually had a whole routine whenever I was writing my book. I would move my body in some way. I would get my mind prepped by saying this, by saying some of these affirmations, and then I'll just drop some right here. My story heals myself and others. My story invigorates and inspires. My words reach the people they need to reach. The world needs my story. Powerful words flow through me and onto the page. I am a brilliant and prolific writer and storyteller. I am a best-selling author. I live in possibility and I trust the process. I am a vessel for creative and spiritual awakenings. So that's how I would prime myself like I'm not kidding you. 
every day, I'm pretty sure almost every day before I would start my writing sessions, I was writing these. I was seeing the, I was visualizing, I was leaning into my vision. I was walking and I was, you know, supporting myself during the writing process. And recently I came across some affirmations that I've started using. So instead of an I, it's an O, affirmations, and it's posing questions to your subconscious. And so I speak these aloud sometimes like, why am I so abundant? Why am I always so creatively inspired? Why do I always get ideas and feel compelled to write? Why do I always meet the right people at the right time? And for some reason, I think it has to do with maybe the reticular activating system. I'm not the neuroscientist though, but for some reason, evidence shows up to myself in reality whenever I start my day and I ask myself these questions aloud and in my journal with inflection. It works. Somebody buys my coffee. Somebody introduces me to a client and I have a new client all of a sudden. Somebody, um, it, it's just interesting. Some random influx of money comes. It's, and then, you know, I also kind of carry that over to my gratitude list. And these are like all things that I do to like stay and hone in and try to be my best self every day. And I'm not every day, right? Your best is going to look different each day. But these are some of the things, some of the tools that I use for my creative process and for how I co-create the life that I want to live. Alrighty. So talking about co-creating the life you want to live and supporting yourself during the writing process. I like to think of different facets in which like, how am I going to mentally support myself? How am I going to physically support myself? How am I going to emotionally or spiritually support myself? And that's going to look different for you. What worked for me was being out in nature, going on walks, feeling, um, you know, asking myself or being curious about what I was consuming during this time. I gobbled up this podcast called Beautiful Writers that features authors and gives great insights. I was also leaning into all this like positive wealth of information. Um, and then some days, you know, I, I wouldn't, and I was just like, okay, I gotta like check out and read some, some fiction <laughs> or something. Uh, filling the well, I think is very important. And because during the writing process, we are, as writers, we are creating and living from our heads. I think it's very important to also move the energy physically. So writers tend to live in the mind, you know, a la imagination and reflection and while mapping out the path to best tell a story. So adding movement before after writing sessions supports the creative vessel, your body. And this physicality also expands your capacity to feel, to process and move the emotion, the energy in motion that arises during a writing session. And writing about those dark nights of the soul particularly, particularly <laughs> come to mind. The more you feel, the more you heal, the more you're able to express on the page from the heart and integrate those life lessons and insights from being a mental understanding, only being in your mind to being an embodiment and self-care, self-care, self-care. Maybe it's fast. Maybe it's being disciplined with a yoga practice or an exercise routine or just going on a nature walk. For me now, recently, before I write or um, edit, I also tend to self-pleasure. And whether that's like actually self-pleasuring and orgasming or whether that's like leaning into the pleasure of dance and breathing, 
it just gets me into my body and moves me into a flow state. I'm like moving my arms right now (laughs) and and like inviting the muse, which to me is my highest self in to co-create this, this journey or this project with me. I also like to incorporate and schedule a ton of rest. Like my, after an exertion, like my body's like, okay, rest and a great. I especially like to schedule rest days in between heavier writing, reading, or editing sessions. It's very important to me. I read for probably six or so hours yesterday working on this editing project. And so today I'm still outputting, like I'm still, I'm doing this podcast, but I am not reading anymore the material today. I am like maxed out. I'm doing a lot of horizontal time. I am going to read a fiction book that I like you know, just not in the working capacity. I'm going to, um, I went on, you know, I went to the gym earlier today. That's me taking care of myself. That's what works for me. And I just want to say and end on the note that whether you decide to publish or not, memoir writing is so courageous. It's vulnerable and open in a world of disconnection and separation or the illusion of separation And being one of the brave ones who envisions a different world and efforts to contribute for positive change. You are an incredible being. And memoir writing offers medicine. It is medicine. And granted, some writing sessions will feel like you're walking across reinforced steel and others teetering across a rickety wooden footbridge across the canyon. For me, You know, there were writing days when words poured as tears streamed down my face. And there were times when I'd be hit with an aha moment or an understanding for my past actions or patterns through the illumination of these pivotal moments and choices that stem from them. So I truly believe that memoir writing is a bridge to connecting the dots of your journey, to seeing life in a new light to living with more compassion, to releasing victim consciousness, to alchemizing pain into power or purpose or both, to healing. And if for nobody else, yourself, memoir writing is a bridge to where you are and who you want to be. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Sex, Drugs, and Soul. You already know what to do. Like, share, subscribe, follow. I really appreciate you coming along with me on this journey. And I I really like the idea of just this being my way to nurture our community and support in some way. And I am here for you. And thank you for being here for me. I really appreciate it. Have a great week. See you next week.